Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of the Alex Lemo podcast. Um, I hope you guys had a chance to catch up on previous episodes since we were not live uh, last week. And if you have not yet done so, please subscribe to our YouTube channel and follow us on our social media platforms, Twitter, Facebook, and also uh, Instagram. So tonight we have with us Dr. Ryan Smith. I've known Ryan since he was a student. Wow, I do feel so old. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I do consider you like a, a little brother, um, Ryan. Um, mm. And even though some might consider me a seasoned entrepreneur, I have been learning so much from the stories that you've been sharing with us. I honestly admire and respect your transparency. So Alex and I are really fortunate to have you on our podcast tonight so you can share with us some of the lessons that not only Alex and I can learn from, but our audience. And this episode is going to be around for a long time. So you can be touching hundreds, possibly millions of lives. So Yeah, I no, appreciate that. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. appreciate you coming on. I mean, uh, I... You know, we've interacted some on Twitter previously, you know, before you took your little break. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm definitely interested to, to know more about your backstory. I know you and, and Mo have uh, known each other longer. So definitely interested to, to know more about you and, and uh, how things are going. I mean, we were just talking before we came on. Obviously, you're a new father. So congratulations uh, to you Thanks. and your wife on that. Um, you know, it'll a, a life long uh, journey of learning and and uh awesome things for you guys so definitely congratulations i ah, appreciate that thank you nothing like a newborn child to put everything in perspective absolutely uh, very, very quickly <laughs> you're like oh all right this is life i get it now <laughs> yeah we're yeah. starting to figure out what's really important um and what just you know it just doesn't make the cut because between mm. trying to find some sleep and and keep your child alive. There's only so many things that can actually uh, take up that that little bit of space that's left there. Yeah, agreed, hundred percent. So, so let I always like to ask people, you know, how did we get to where you are today, right? So Ryan, what what about your background put you on to physical therapy, and then tell us about that route and how it's kind of evolved to to where you are today yeah route uh to get to pt school i think was pretty familiar to a lot of pts right you um i was an athlete in high school so you already kind of get into that sort of um you know biology sort of background and wanting to work with athletes uh, i was an athletic trainer in undergrad so that really drove what i wanted to do and i always knew as an at i wanted to go to pt school because uh, you know, it's, it seems like a good stepping stone to kind of move towards that direction. They seem to mold well to each other. Um, and I'm like, cool, if I'm going to do something like a sports PT sort of route, then being an ATC makes sense. And then going to PT school right from there. So that story was kind of checked out. I had some really great athletic training mentors back in high school and college. Um, and that sort of prepped me and then, um, helped me get prepared to apply to PT school and get in. So that sort of familiar, I think, to lots of, of uh, students going into their, you know, interest in sports, interest in, you know, the body and just overall human anatomy and stuff kind of naturally flows into there. Then you become an AT and you really like the team aspect and maybe even really what I enjoyed was the rehab aspect of that, working with the athletes in the offseason, that stuff, um, and naturally kind of fit into PT school. Um, and then I got accepted to Ohio State uh, and became a Buckeye after being in Wisconsin for the longest time. Uh, so that worked out pretty well for me to get there. Um, so yeah, that fairly typical route in that standard. And then um, I think grad school is really when I got out of the Wisconsin bubble, I would say, and really uh, out of comfort zones and stuff like that and experience a whole lot. Um, and that's sort of where I met Mo. And via proxy, I would say via Sarah Hag and Sandy um, Hilton. So Speaking of a little brother, they might see me almost more as a son. I don't know at this point. I did a, uh, <laughs> yeah, the, see how I, I don't want to age anybody here. We'll see what they have to say, a little brother or son in that regard. But I was with a clinical rotation with them um, at their women's clinic or at Entropy back in Chicago when it was a clinic at that point. Um, and I ended up doing a business internship with them. 
Um, I reached out to them via Twitter at the time because I started getting really involved where I kind of met all of y'all. Um, and they're like, we have no idea what that means, but we'll take you on. And somehow we convinced Ohio State to say it was good. And I got to do basically, I think it was like 10 weeks of a business internship where uh, I helped them recreate their website and do quote unquote business things. And that was mainly, I just got to listen to Sarah and Sandy talk every day. Um, so I got amazing mentorship from those two. And then they introduced me to Mo uh, and a host of other really, really great people. Um, so fortunate that that direction sort of led me to Mo and, you know, largely just a lot of really, really great um, women entrepreneurs and women leaders. When I look back on it, the majority were women in the regards. Um, <laughs> yeah, which might be unusual, but it really steered me towards working more postpartum and things along those lines. So um, PT school is really that I think opened me up to a lot. I got a lot of uh, great mentorship from a lot of great women, which I think was maybe not always um, this typical standard in PT school. Um, at the same time, you get into that regard of PT school, like, oh, I don't like the system. I want to break healthcare. I don't like, you know, doing the mills, which is also probably really familiar. Um, and so I really, really went down that route. I'm like, well, I'm going to rebel against the whole thing. Um, and it all opened up my own PT private practice, like the day after graduation, sort of in a CrossFit box. Um, and that was sort of my like, okay, I'm going to do something different. I'm going to change healthcare, go into that. Um, and that's sort of where I got to there. Uh, a quick detour in there was how I know Mo the best was CSM, I think 2015, um, yeah. back in San Antonio that involved very late nights and lots of fun and good times with lots of people. But I also presented at that CSM um, for, I think the course was called, or the title was called Males and Pelvic Health. Um, so it was me and another student who was with Sarah and Sandy where, uh, for lack of a better phrase, we just were two guys sort of riffing up there and what it was like to be involved in pelvic health care um, from a student perspective. And it was really cool because you don't usually get that opportunity to be a new speaker in CSM who has zero history or I would argue we had zero authority to speak on the topic other than we were interested. We were really trying to push towards that and got involved in it. Um, so I still credit all the women sort of, I think, entrepreneurs and mentors in my life um, to kind of put me towards postpartum. And then, you know, really the postpartum care and working with women even now is really directed what I do on a daily basis, not population health level. Um, and I'm infinitely better PT um, being able to do that um, day in and day out from all that learning I got there. Um, so that kind of got me up to a good point there uh, of where we're at. And then with the entrepreneurial status was from there, I ended up getting reached out to by Gene Sharakabrod to open up what is called Recharge. I know you guys are familiar with Gene. He is, uh, everybody knows Gene in the PT profession to some degree. So uh, Gene also, you could argue, is a rebel against the machine sort of thing and does a lot of stuff outside the box. He's like, you know, it'd be crazy if you moved to Maryland and we just opened up like this sort of CrossFit PT clinic hybrid gym thing. And I said, sure. So I packed up my Buick and everything I owned and moved out to Maryland and um, Gene, you know, garnered some funding and we opened up Recharge, I think, in May 2017. Um, and that was uh, a long, uh, you know, route to get all the way there. But that was sort of accumulated to what I'd argue most PTs is like, yeah, that's the dream. You have your own physical location. It's a gym. You know, it's fitness facing. You get to treat patients and coach classes like pff, you're pretty much set. And I think that was sort of my mindset there for a while was, yeah, this is what I'll do for 60 years if they can do it. Um, so I'll pause there because I went through a boatload, but, um, you know, I'm reminiscing a little bit in the back of my head of San Antonio Mo repeatedly. Uh, Alex <laughs> was there. But, uh, we were, uh, uh, Alex, Alex was in um, Anaheim when we went. Anaheim. Ah, yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah, so uh, that's that's how Mo and I originally, well, we knew each other on Twitter before, but that was a, the first time that we had uh, met in person uh, with CSM. And, and quite frankly, that was the last CSM I attended. Mm. um because uh like shortly that exactly <laughs> yes so you know actually on on that trip so that trip was you know february uh of that year and my son was born in april uh of that year so we were we were getting towards the end like i still remember we had to i took my wife came with me my parents ended up meeting us there and you know, we're big Disney family, so we did the whole Disneyland thing while we were over there. But 
Yeah, I remember having to have conversations with my wife's OB to make sure that she was going to be safe to fly. Um, you know, we didn't want to have uh, nothing against California, but wasn't trying to have my first child uh, in California. Um, so, um, so, yeah. So, Oh, that's a small world. Crazy. So, so Ryan, um, it's interesting that you said you wanted to disrupt uh, the current healthcare system. And in a way, you're doing that now, doing uh, public health. And I have to applaud you with, with doing that. But as a student, you took charge, found where you wanted to do your clinical. I know there are students out there who would like to do that, but some of the schools that they're in don't allow them to do so. Um, but I encourage people to chase after your dreams. If, if you do see a clinical rotation that you'd like to go to, hey, sign up, find out what you need to do it could turn out to be the biggest blessing. Also something that I admired is that you and Gene, you videotaped the journey from start to finish when it was just like a big space <laughs> with nothing. Yeah. Yeah. You guys showed the build out. And to me, that was great to watch because at that time too, I was also starting um, my own um, practice. So I it, it felt like, okay, I could understand what they're going through, and I feel like I have a community um, of entrepreneurs that I can relate. Even though we were doing separate things, you guys were doing the CrossFit or patient stuff, I was focusing on home health. But I believe that also inspired other people not just to focus on the highlight reels that they see in social media. They could see everything that was happening then and there. So it felt like a real world TV kind of TV version. Ian's going to be so happy you put it like that. That's exactly what he was going for. Yes. I, had, yeah. I think I created more content in two years uh, with Gene during that period than I think I will my entire rest of life by far. Every day there was a camera. Uh, and I still give Gene crap. The day that we moved all the weights in to put the rig together and that, he happened to be filming the majority of that time while I was lifting all the weights in. So. <laughs> Uh, yeah, he was great at capturing content, but uh, he missed the pieces of critical information, like putting the weights inside. But no, that's great. I forget that that uh, you know, Cruz kind of came up at the same time around that period. But you're right; yeah. it is uh, at the time. I feel like it's maybe a little more common now because you know you have like the Danny Mateys and the Karen Letzies who have put out so much stuff there for people to have a blueprint of sorts. That it's I used to tell them like, yeah, you can just set up an LLC and kind of figure it out and. I think a lot of people can still do that, but now there's actually sort of people who have sort of uh, forged that path. It's a little more common, but yeah, at that time it was uh, nobody. How do you start a brick and mortar and not like fumble in the first six months? And what does that look like? And how is it all put together? It was kind of a cool group of us who all sort of leaned on each other and just saw what each of were doing. Um, you know, I think even, you know, Josh Funk and R2P at the time was probably right around the same period opening up in that aspect. Yep. Um, you know, they've skyrocketed like crazy since that, too. So it is neat to see how everybody kind of took a different sort of business route in their own niche or realm and are, are still cruising along. I think it speaks a lot to PTs get a lot of crap for not being good at business. But I see a lot of PTs who day in and day out are still there and have a business a year later, five years later, eight years later. Like that's I mean, that's the hardest thing you can do. Most things fail pretty quickly. <laughs> well, I, I think I think that's a testament to like yourself and, and others like you who, who I would venture to say kind of blaze that trail for for all the ones coming out now because you know you you came out with the mentality of I'm going to do this different right like I'm going against the grain day one um and I think that when you did it it was like you know what is Ryan doing like that's not your typical pattern like you're supposed to go work for for a chain and you're supposed to go see 20 patients a day and, and all this kind of stuff. Right. And now, you know, we've mentioned on the show many times before, like we have our, our younger colleagues that are just coming out of the gate and they're saying, no, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to start my own cash based practice, or I'm going to have my side hustle, you know, working in the fitness realm and, and kind of mixing that in with the rehab world. So we're getting a lot more of these entrepreneurs 
and because of people like yourself and, and Karen and, and these other people that have kind of done this and, and kind of laid it out, you know, we're having more people doing it. And we're also having from what it seems a lot more people be successful at it mm. um, so that you are able to kind of carry on, you know, those different businesses and, and everybody kind to to do their thing. Yeah, no, agreed. Um, and so, to your student point, Mo, like if, if, you, if you get a lot of students listening to this, yeah, go at fine clinicals. Like I had no business to be going to Entropy and Sarah and Sandy had never heard of me, but you just reach out. And if you, you know, pass the sniff test for most people, they're usually okay. Um, <laughs> and now having taken students myself, I know the process to get set up with school isn't that bad. Uh, and it's usually a lot more work for the school to do it than the clinician. Um, typically. So if you can facilitate that as a student and take all the obstacles out of the way and say, hey, I have somebody, um, there's still requirements, but I think that's an easy way. I will also give Ohio State a lot of credit. They had, what I did for them, that business one was called a capstone practicum, where it could be anything you wanted. It didn't have to fall into the four sort of categories of acute, outpatient, inpatient, et cetera. Um, so I thought they did that incredibly well to give students a chance to do whatever they wanted. Uh, to kind of create their own capstone um, clinical for themselves. So kudos to the uh, OSU for that. So I'm, I'm going to just straight out ask because, you know, you get the peanut gallery giving you comments like when you want to do something. So did people tell you, because we heard often not advise students to go right into business right after school, um, that they need the experience, they need to follow someone who's been in the field so that they could gain the do's and the don'ts of surviving a business. So did people, friends, family, professors, other students say to you, like, Ryan, what the heck? Are you crazy? Oh, yeah, 100%. And I would like to th say that it was the, um, like, oh, I used that as fuel and fought against it and I grew past it. and. In reality, most of them were pretty right. <laughs> like in my first year when I opened up my own practice, I was sort of out of a cross-up box kind of, but I had zero idea. I took whatever Jerry Durham threw on Twitter and put that in the business and stuff like <laughs> I had zero idea what I was doing. I did way too much at the website. And I like, I only made a living because I was bartending about 50% of my time and being a PT 50%. So I still would do it to this day, you know, day one leaving school because I enjoyed what I did. I got to practice the way I wanted to, but I was not even making, I had, I did not have a profitable business. I was just making enough money between bartending and PT to make it flow. So those people were actually right. Like I didn't have no business having a business, but it wasn't successful necessarily because I really didn't know what I was doing. Um, but you get to learn really, really quickly. And if you can, uh, I guess what I did take from them that they were probably wrong about is I was just willing to kind of eat it for a while and not make a lot of money or have some sort of level of sacrifice there because I really didn't want the alternative. Until this day, my proudest moment as a PT is I have not done one single actual note in Epic or any documentation system since I was a student. And I like to hang my hat on that, that it's still true. Uh, and I just, I couldn't see myself doing that. And uh, now I think it's more because I so enjoy the flexibility and adaptability of being sort of in that entrepreneurial role that even if that means either less money or more sacrifice, commute or some X, Y, Z, you have to learn things, that ability, especially now as a dad, is just massive um, to have that. So, yeah, there was definitely people who were like, what the heck are you doing? And to their credit, a lot of them were right. Um, but you got to learn by making that mistake. And it led me to, you know, eventually Gene and Recharge, too, which is great. Well, I mean, first of all, like when what you're doing now is you've you've acquired freedom, you've acquired freedom to do as you wish when you wish. Right. Which, as you will learn, um, is one of the most important and priceless things that you can have as a father, um, mm -hmm. as a husband. Right. Because you can't get this time back. Yeah. Right. Like I. I mean, my wife and I, like my oldest is seven, my youngest is four. I don't like it's a blur to me. Like, I don't feel like I have a seven year old. Right. I was lucky enough that I was there for all of it. 
Um, I, you know, when my wife was pregnant, I was every doctor's appointment I, you know, I was doing home health, but I had the flexibility cause I had the freedom. Mm. I had the freedom to decide what was important, what wasn't important. And, and I have the flexibility to move things around, but you know, that, that time becomes important, um, because you, you don't get it back. Right. So you're there when you want to be and need to be, and you're working when you have to be. Um, yeah. And I think ultimately that's the most important thing. And I think most people are starting to realize that sooner rather than later, like, Hey, the money's good. And all of this other stuff is good, but I just want the ability to say yes or no, mm. um, yeah. you know, and, and kind of move from there. And the other thing that I would say is like, I don't, you know, when you said that your business, that first go round wasn't successful, you know, successful is, it depends what, what lens you're looking at success from, right? Mm -hmm. Did you make money? No, probably not. Like you said, you had to bartend and do all that stuff to kind of make ends meet. But all the other stuff that you acquired is is the foundation to where you are now and to the things that you are now. And that doesn't happen if you're working for somebody else. It just doesn't. Yes. You know, so success is, you know, definitely is, is how you look at it. Um, and, and that's important for our viewers students people that are thinking about starting a business or whatever the case may be like you got to get outside that comfort zone once you start getting outside that comfort zone you're either gonna take off or you're gonna learn right because you, you don't your failures are just opportunities to learn and grow so that you continue to rise but you you can't do that um in a place of comfort and mm -hmm. and i'll say this right now like entrepreneurial business owners that's not for everybody and not everybody wants that and that's a hundred percent perfectly okay not everybody that walks out of a pt program needs to go open a business mm -hmm. um some people are perfectly fine going to work for you know one of the chains or even somebody like yourself mo or myself and say hey i'm perfectly happy this meets all of my needs everything that i want in life i'm accomplishing and kudos to those people. Um, mm -hmm. But you have the opportunity, especially in our profession, um, to do whatever it is that you want. You know, either the opportunity is there and you just got to go out and, and take it. Yeah. Great. So the model that you uh, foresaw as a student was mostly fitness based. Yeah, I think it was definitely a, a fitness sort of um, facing thing, really latching onto the gym or CrossFit or some aspect of that. Yeah. Okay. And I think that's around the time CrossFit became really popular as well, too. Yeah, that's, yep. Yeah. Because yeah. I think I got oh. into it when I was in grad school. And yes, and that too has skyrocketed since then. But. Okay. So you used what you loved basically to pursue along that lines. Um, now, you guys will form sort of a community as well too, because I recall the times that I visited there, um, you guys were able to bring together like military um, people, those in, it was in uh, Ellicott City, right? If I'm not mistaken. Correct. Yeah. Um, so you were already doing something that most PT businesses don't get to do. <laughs> that is to be part of the community um and you guys were going around um sharing opportunities with other entrepreneurs that were there locally so it was it was you were entrenched in the community so you were doing something that most business owners don't get to do at all yeah no agree uh, and, yeah. and now you're doing it in a different <laughs> in a different setting yeah i guess the the tie to the you know the nine to five job that we just came from that sort of point by alex and what we did with the community um as business owners you probably test this there is some level of freedom when you do work a nine to five and you don't have to think about it at all after 5 p.m i think i as a business owner who then took a break and then i worked a nine to five i'm like oh i get it like there's some sort of even level of freedom where you don't have to think about payroll at 7 30 p.m at night or whatever you're trying to do and you can just go home and not think about that at all. So to a lot of folks, like, yeah, it is, it's kind of a different type of freedom, but the yes or no, the flexibility, I think is still what drives me toward it. But I think I had a greater appreciation of that 
when I took my break from healthcare and PT in general. Um, but to answer your point, like the community aspect of recharge and, you know, owning that business was massive. You not only, you know, are you seeing patients, but you're growing a community of people who want to get involved in fitness and really just be in a community aspect that you literally build from the ground that day one. Um, you know, we opened up in May, 2017 and, I think when I left, it was January 21, and we had built up, I don't know, a community of 80 to 100 people by the pan, you know, right around pandemic time around that. Um, and it's just nuts. You get to know these people really intimately. You get a community of people who are willing to do a whole host of things outside of just working out. It's a very different feel than a traditional outpatient clinic. And I think it's a, a beauty of it um, and the community aspect of it and giving back to that, I think was massive. Um, so growing that and building it up was one of the biggest, you know, joys I got from recharge for that. Um, but yeah, it was uh, recharge was a very speaking of learning, like the first year of my practice that I had recharge was the same. I um, had a lot of issues myself about how I was handling the business load and, and the case and growing it and payroll. And um, I, I kind of you know wrote about it a little bit that I just reflecting on it really struggled as a leader um, within my own business of making really hard decisions about who to bring on or who not to bring on, what to pay or what not to pay. And all that time, like I was paying myself very little. Um, I was a content instructor for a while. And when that kind of fell away, it was solely reliant on the business. Um, and all of a sudden I was like, oh, I either pay myself or the other people or not. Um, and then you're trying to figure out how to make money at the same point, but also, you know, produce the product that you want. And all the meantime, I'm, you know, trying to communicate and work with Gene that I really struggled as a leader to communicate with my other business partner about how I felt or how I was doing through the whole thing. Um, and you let that seep in long enough, which I sort of did. I like to call it sort of the Midwest mentality. If anybody's from, you know, Wisconsin, Michigan, Iowa there, you just kind of tend to bottle everything down. And then at age 45, it comes out. That's the typical Wisconsin way. Well, I do those in small little increments and usually it comes out in deep, deep depression at certain times. <laughs> um, and that's sort of where I was at towards the tail end of recharge. Of, you know, I, I wasn't communicating well. I didn't feel like I was leading well. I was really burnt out both on growing the community, but also on my patient care. And I had learned such an incredible amount, but I just felt like I didn't have the vision for where I wanted it to go. Uh, and I had really moved away from fitness in general too. I just had lost all desire to kind of keep into that. Um, and I'm like, I just need some time away and to um, get away from healthcare as a whole. Um, so again, to your point out, like the things I learned in those four years at Recharge is like, you know, they say it's like a makeshift MBA when you go out on your own, 100% it is. Uh, and it is wild the things I took away from that and the experiences I had. I just wasn't, I don't think, mentally prepared of what it meant to lead a business, to lead a community the way I wanted it to, but still be able to take care of myself. Um, and so ultimately I stepped away. The pandemic didn't help it either. As you all know, that threw a whole wrench into how the heck do you run a business that has people gather in large groups <laughs> to celebrate and, and move together. Um, so that was its own experience to kind of go through that. And then in, you know, January 21, I took a couple of years off and became a project manager and literally did a nine to five job, uh, from Monday through Friday and got to experience the other side of quote unquote freedom of that life for a little bit. Um, so yeah, it is, I still miss the community aspect of that Mo, cause it is quite amazing when you have that. I think that's why, you know, for everybody who does or does not like CrossFit, does an incredible job to bring together a couple hundred people in a single space consistently and get them to rally around something. I mean, anywhere you can do that for your community, I think is crucial. Um, but that was, uh, that's where I came from. What, what was the transition like, you know, when you're going from this space of, you know, being a leader and being dependent on by others, whether it be your business partners or employees or whatnot. And then having the, the well with all and the insight with yourself to say, Hey, this isn't going right. Right. Like I'm not in a good space right now. So I'm going to back away. Cause I feel like some people might just double down and say, Hey, I gotta, I gotta work harder. Right. Like, <laughs> you know, I gotta dig in and, and that could just, set you down even you know further hold of bad things potentially happening but what was that transition like when you go from healthcare provider to project manager and yeah. and how were you able to make that transition like did you have this knowledge or this like what was that like 
Yeah. So to your point, like I did for a while there, just double down. Like I'm just going to outwork this because you can outwork anything and you'll feel better. And that's not always the case as I've learned pretty quickly. Um, but no, the transition was my, I, Gina and I laugh, but my, like my two week notice was like a year. <laughs> like, I mean, really trans. Cause I, you know, I owned a, a large percentage of the company and we had never, when you start a company, uh, if you're good at it, you should probably talk about what your exit strategy is when you first start it. She and I never really talked about it. We had no, we're like, we're going to do this forever. So I thought like, what does that mean to not own the company anymore? How do you transition out? Like there was a whole business aspect of it. Um, so once we kind of worked through that, I think it ended up being like six or seven months of transition of prepping the team for what I can leave, letting the community know that I was leaving, why I was leaving, going through that so I could transition out, get the training and documentation in place. So there's a lot from a business standpoint that I'm, I'm glad I got to see and, and work with Gina on um, to kind of leave the space from there. And then the project manager thing honestly came from uh, one of the community members um, that was part of Recharge. He, I told him I was leaving and he's like, hey, I'll help facilitate, uh, you know, what you're looking to do. And, you know, I kind of work, started working with a lot of software and recharge to try to do projects and get things done and get really involved in operations. So I was really applying any projects management or operations management job I could find. And I got sort of hooked up via a community member there and did a lot of self-study about what it wasn't mean to be a good project manager, which uh, ironically usually ends up just being a good leader <laughs> is how a good project <laughs> get done. So it was a good crash course on how I needed to develop that skill set very quickly to be able to run small teams. Um, and I ended up working for um, a creative agency here in Baltimore um, for, I think it was a year and a half, maybe two years, um, where I got to learn all the ins and outs of graphic design and video editing and website creation and working a traditional nine to five in an office, which 15-4 um, was the creative agency. It was a really, really great business that was pretty small here in Baltimore. That was awesome. So um, yeah, the transition was a lot of self-study, a lot of how the heck do you leave a business when you don't have an exit strategy? What does that look like? Um, and, and then trying to both when you first start a business and you're kind of the face of it, because I did a majority of coaching, how you let a community know that you're leaving without, you know, letting things just sort of fall apart. And then how you train your staff on it is key. So, um, you know, Mo and Alex, I know you guys already have your exit strategies planned exactly to the team how it's going to go one day. <laughs> well, <laughs> I, know I, I know I want to end up on a beach somewhere, but... <laughs> Oh yeah, he, he's he's already been talking about that. Um, <laughs> Doing the yeah, not, not exactly sure when we'll get there, but um, <laughs> we're still, still working on that. But yeah, no, I mean that's a good point. Like I think, you know, a lot of people think about starting a business, having a business, right? But father time is undefeated, mm. so eventually we've got it. We all get to this point where you either do it on your own time or you're kind of forced out for whatever reason that may be. Yeah. Um, and if you don't have a plan in place or, or things kind of in motion to help with that, um, yeah, it, it can be challenging, you know, and, and it's not just simply like stepping out or transitioning out, but it's all the financial aspect and stress, right? Like yeah. how am I valuing myself, my time within the business, but then what am I going to do outside of the business to maintain whatever level of, of comfort that, that you, you're trying to, to have, you know? And then it's not always easy. You know, it's a little easier when it's just you that you're responsible for. But once you have a spouse and, and kids and other people that are now depending on you, it kind of gets a little tricky. So definitely something that I don't, I feel like not many of us business owners talk about, at least openly to to let people know like you know this needs to be on your radar just as much as starting the business and running the business mm. well i definitely for me i did not have an exit strategy when i started i thought hey i could pass this on to the next <laughs> generation of my family but what if the next generation doesn't want to have anything to do with healthcare or physical therapy yeah. so you can't just assume or want to pass stuff off to people um also something that i've been learning a lot lately um most of us start a business we consider it our baby and we we tend to identify the success of the business with our values and that will make you make desperate decisions <laughs> and um 
oftentimes you would double down, as Ryan said, on things that if you were to step back a little, you'd be like, you know what? You just need to let that go and ride the wave and refocus, you know, zoom out. Um, and a lot of us struggle to do that because we become so passionate and intertwined with the business. But even if you start a business, try and find a way to not identify your worth with the success of the business. Because as Ryan said, most businesses in the first year don't make money. What may seem like an overnight success to a lot of you might take seven years. Mm -hmm. To, to even build, maybe five years. So you you never know. But yes, do have an exit strategy, whether it is to make enough money to make your company profitable so you could sell eventually and be on the beach smoking cigars and drinking. I don't know what Alex drinks. Alex drinkers. <laughs> a, a little bit of everything. Don't really matter. As if it is it's to pass, it, pass it off to family members who may be interested in, in physical therapy or healthcare. Um, but make sure you ask them. Don't don't assume that they're going to do that. Um, but be able to separate yourself a business to if you're starting a business on your own. If you your business relies solely on you, it's not a successful business because shit can happen. You can have a health scare. If you're not able to take a vacation and your business takes a hit, you have to be able to create something that can survive without you being directly involved. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Business lessons 101 for everybody listening. There it is. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think so, Ryan, after after the nine to five project manager life, like what told you, okay, I, I'm ready to go back. Yeah. Uh, I liked, I wish it was like some sort of premonition or, uh, you know, I don't, Florence Kendall coming down. <laughs> Come back. Uh, no, I just, I really enjoyed the learning aspect of the PM stuff. And at some point I'm like, I, I knew from like the first couple months of doing PM, I'm like, I, I need to go back at some point. So within three months, I had already talked to my you know wife at that point. I'm like, I'm going to go back at some point. I just don't know when, and I need some time to clear my head. Um, so there was no like one specific point, just the knowledge I always would. Uh, and I just needed enough time. So when I started, to be honest, to get kind of you know bored of the PM stuff or just like wasn't really enthralled by it anymore, I started looking at, you know, what is my step to get back in profession? Um, if fitness included, like I, I stopped working out for the most part altogether. I went from like six, seven days a week because that's how it was either coaching or working out to virtually nothing. Um, so speaking of nine to five, sitting at a desk, we're not working out, holy health issues my goodness but um yeah it was it was always on the radar and i knew how to do it so the transition to there then was oh, what do i want to do when i get back into pt i i don't want to go out on my own right away i want to be you know more methodical about it um you know do i do outpatient ortho what do i get into can i just go back with sarah and sandy and live in you know entropy in the back room somewhere for a while i don't know but there was two things one i had a wife now so a lot of my decisions were well, this can't be, uh, I can't take as big of a sacrifice or hit financially or just moving anywhere like I might be able to. And we want to build something in Baltimore together. And that was sort of our goal. So um, uh, Mike Eisenhart came to mind as an Allie Hartman over at Proactivity. I had been in touch with Allie for, you know, good friends with her and Aaron Perez for a while there. And I think you've had Daria Oler on your podcast as well, mm -hmm. as my, yeah. my colleague now. Um, and Mike had helped me fired up back in 2015 at CSMs. He's been preaching the good word about population health and direct to employer work for 25 years now. Uh, and he, you know, he still does it, but I think he said it a billion times at this point. And so I'm like, hey, what I want to get involved with you, but I, I want to make sure it's the right fit. So I reached out to Proactivity and said, hey, what would this look like? Can I observe for like one or two days and see if this is the direction I want to go? Um, and so it was that was sort of the Kickstarter, like. Hey, Mike, Allie, can I like hang out with you guys for a day or two and see what you do um, and see if that's what I'm interested in? And lo and behold, it ended up being right. And they were nice enough to give me the opportunity to step and observe and then get actively involved. So um, that was, again, another I'm going to put in my two week notice, but it really ended up being four months. Finding very quickly, I have a hard time leaving jobs. Uh, uh, so, uh, that was another long transition uh, over the like a. Uh, five, four month period or something like that. Um, 
yeah. But, but yeah, no, no weird premonition or anything like that. I wish it was a cool story, but just the knowledge of the moment I stepped into an office nine to five after two months, I'm like, yeah, I got to get back. You just, when, when you, when you have a calling, you, you always, no matter how many details you make, you're going to find your way back to it. It, it's the but, beauty of the profession, right? Like there's something yeah. inherently that, again, a lot of us talk about the athlete background and working outpatient ortho, but any aspect of PT, there's just something about what we do with people that a calling, whatever we want to call it, it just drives us in a different way. And you probably most medical professionals, I think. Um, and I always, I definitely understood I didn't have that in a traditional job as like a project or working on a business thing that I didn't really know what the bigger picture was. Um, so anyhow. Yeah. Is your wife in healthcare? No, she's a professor at, at uh, Loyola College here in Baltimore. Yeah, she's been a teacher her whole life. Yeah. That's awesome. A, a different kind of calling. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So tell me, like, I mean, I, I'm a big uh, believer um, you know, like I, the things that I get to do, such as this podcast and all these other things is because really of my wife, um, who is, you know, my partner, my best friend, but my rock, you know, she's the one that holds it down so that I can do these kinds of things, you know, and you mentioned that during your transition, you went from being a single, you know, individual or dating, whatever the case may be, but now you're married and how that factors in, how has her support and factored into all these transitions that you've made and, and, and are continuing to make now, not only professionally, but, you know, um, personally, you know, with having a child and stuff like that. Mm. Yeah. I don't even know if you can really quantify it, but she know as probably most of our, you know, significant others or close friends do know us better than we know ourselves. And she knew within three months as well, like you need to leave that thing at some point. Um, and especially about the year, year and a half mark, she's like, you need to get out. You need to go do what you were made to do, like it, it, what do something that excites you, get involved again. So she had always been prone of like, we'll sort of figure it out, right? Like we can, we need to make the decision together, which I think is probably the big difference that I was used to. I would usually just make the decision and figure it out later versus now it's like, well, let's talk about this first and then figure out what the sacrifice is as a team versus just when you're by yourself, you can kind of endure almost anything. But it's another to ask your significant other to do that, right, with you. Um, but she was like, no, you need to go do something again in that same realm. Well, I don't know what it is. Um, but she was fully supportive of that. And she had had her own transition, too. She went from high school teaching to community college teaching for a while to now full professorship and going through. So we've had a good sort of back and forth that, uh, you know, I'll take the full-time job nine to five for a while so you can transition them back and forth. And that's worked out really well for us in that sense. And now we're in a position that both of us have a ton of flexibility with the kid that we are able to support each other in those ways. Um, yeah, I don't know if I would have been as methodical and slow about the transition in a good way to proactivity and then being able to talk to proactivity and work with them at how I wanted to do things as well if I didn't have her here. Um, and now we get to build something both in our community that, you know, to your point, Mo, like I rarely people get to do that I get to do now. Um, and in a spot that we want to be for for a long time. So I'm incredibly excited about that. You know what? I admire the group because you said as a business owner, you had trouble communicating with your business partner, but <laughs> improved with your wife. So that's good. So <laughs> in the yes. future, if you do own a business again, I'm hoping that improved communication would carry over into if you have to communicate with a business partner or whomever. So that's yeah. good. Thank you. Yeah. I, probably <laughs> I met her towards the uh, middle to end of recharge. So maybe uh, she's the, actually taught me over the course of a couple of years how to communicate. <laughs> uh, <See>? yeah. <laughs> you yes. were meant to open that business. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <Classic>. <laughs> but yeah. Um, but it, it like I know for me personally, um, I like to move fast. I always think in my mind that uh, the speeds, speed is dependent on um, success. Mm -hmm. So knowing that you were someone who like just acted fast and, and moved without having to consider anybody else, be honest with me, 
how is it <laughs> because there's some things I'm struggling with now like who I have to consider this or that yeah no I uh I mean I guess the best example when I when Gina asked me I literally moved out to Maryland with just my belongings in my car didn't have anything you know other than that and in some ways it was really good because you are flexible and that's well in other ways like I completely neglected a whole bunch of things about like long-term savings and student loans and investments and retirement, like all the thing, you know, taking care of myself, healthcare wise, seeing all that stuff. Right. Um, but the ability to slow down, uh, I think a little bit, and maybe slowing down isn't the right word, but just be able to see thing and make a decision with somebody else always has you pause a little bit more because the, the decision ends up being bigger than you. And I think, you know, to your point of like, if a business is just you, then, you know, in some ways it might not be successful, but also it's bigger than you and you have to make decisions for multiple people or a family, or you have a team now that we have with our, our child. Like, you know, you start to consider things with a little bit more, I think, clarity in those roles. Um, so yeah, so for her, like my transition to proactivity, I still did part-time project management work for a separate fully remote company um, up until very, very recently um, while I was kind of transitioning, you know, towards full-time with proactivity. Um, and now, uh, since we've had our child, I'm actually going to stay at part-time proactivity while she picks up some, some consulting work she does on the side. Um, so that way we can kind of space it out evenly and I can do some more childcare for it. So again, that flexibility aspect and to proactivity's credit, I get a chance to sort of grow like kind of a branch of proactivity here in Baltimore and work with some of the manufacturing partners over here and in the community while also working with um, our employer clients along the East Coast and Delaware and Jersey and stuff like that. Um, and, and population health on that side is just an amazing opportunity. And I think has really shifted how I view my own health, health overall, and um, how I even practice at the top of my license. Good. So what would the Ryan now in 2023 tell the Ryan in 2017? Oh, man. Uh, probably listen to Sarah and Sandy more as probably. <laughs> <laughs> to be honest, I would probably say, I don't know if I would tell them to change a whole lot. Cause you know, to Alex's point earlier, like I couldn't have learned half the stuff if I didn't just jump into all of it. I would have probably met my wife to be honest, if I wouldn't have done all that. So, you know, looking back, I don't know if I would have changed anything other than maybe being a little bit more kind to myself and and really trying to understand how, you know, emotionally I would do versus, you know, just working harder at certain things. I'm doubling down on it, as we've talked about a little bit, like, is it isn't always the best route. So I might have suggested that, but I don't know if that would have got me to where I am today. So I, I'd probably just say, stay the course, like, keep going after things the way you, you had been, like, you were on the right direction, you were on the right route. And I think you just experienced the path that probably is more common than we give it credit for. A lot of people go into business for themselves or do their own thing and don't end up, it doesn't work out. Now, workout can be defined however you want. Like for me, theoretically, you could look at my past experience and say I had two businesses that I didn't, you know, cash out on or have be successful or make billions of dollars. Um, but to me, like the, the things I learned from that allow me to set up what I'm doing right now. So yeah, I think I'd have told them like, if any advice, nothing's overnight success as we kind of alluded to um and i see i think he actually believed that a little bit back in 2017 i'm like yeah we're gonna scale this to billions or millions and my student loans will take care of themselves at that point to some degree um but overall just like stay the route stay who you are um because you'll end up learning so much from all the mistakes you'll make that'll put you in a good position so would you advise students to go right into entrepreneurship or would oh, you be yeah. in a gallery saying, uh, what the heck are you doing? No, 100%. <laughs> I, uh, I think it was, I'll never forget, I was at Ascend in 2018, I think, mm -hmm. right after or right when we were opening up Recharge. And the peanut gallery was pretty brutal at Ascend because I did a Shark Tank presentation there pitching Recharge. Uh, to the Shark Tank's credit, they were absolutely right. Parts of the financial model did make a lot of sense. But it was a, a, there was a ton of that peanut gallery aspect up there. Um, but even then, I'd still say there's so many versions of entrepreneurship that you can do nowadays that can be PT related or you can be good at just because you have a PT mindset. You can do things that aren't necessarily making money as a PT, but still involve the skill set 
and the licensure that you have, right? Project management being an example. I go into projects and teams and I diagnose and I prognose and I develop a plan and all sorts of things. Um, and you can do that in a multitude of ways that isn't always going from like zero to 60. You can do part-time stuff. You can do side gigs. You can do consulting. There's so many different variations and versions of that, that you can kind of make it what you want. Um, and it doesn't have to be, you know, the only thing you jump into by itself. If you want to make something that is sustainable and lasts a long time, I think you eventually have to give yourself fully to that. But there's a lot of things in between that that you can do that I think is still warranted to be entrepreneurial in certain ways. Um, so students go do it. And to Alex's point earlier, like I think a lot of them are. Uh, or they're forcing companies to do it better when they offer jobs, right? Um, the mills thing, I think, is probably just getting old at this point. Like, they're still going to be that because it's a thing. But students are coming out like, oh, that doesn't make any sense. There's better ways to do that, right? Again, R2P with Josh is a good example of there's still a fairly traditional financial model at R2P, but have found a way to make a great culture and company for people to work into. And I think there's a lot more examples of those coming down the road of people doing business right that we'll start to see further and more. Indeed. Indeed. Great. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, Alex, as a seasoned veteran PT, would you advise the student to go right into entrepreneurship? Um, I, I think that each person has to kind of look at what it is that they want to accomplish, right? Because as I mentioned before, entrepreneurship is not for everybody and it doesn't have to be, right? Like, again, I think that there's many PTs I'm sure if we put a poll on Twitter or whatever social media platform that if you work a 95, are you happy? Are you, are you satisfied? And you're going to find a good amount of people that probably are. Um, because what satisfaction is a little bit different to all of us. Um, mm. But I think that if you have any inkling of wanting to be an entrepreneur, you should absolutely go for it whether it's day one, day 50, day 300, whatever the case may be, whenever you, wherever you are on your journey as a PT, um, if that's something that's inside of you, like chase it, go after it, um, because the you're going to learn and succeed um, and, and you're gonna take a lot from it, you know, kind of to, to what Ryan's journey was. You know, he went in head first and yeah, he had some bumps along the way and, and, but he learned, he learned a ton and it got him to different spaces. Right. And it doesn't always have to be financially, you know, it doesn't have to be, he made X amount of dollars and he's, you know, living the good life. He, you know, by his account, he didn't make money, but he's so he's, he's a much better clinician. He's a much better person, leader, all those things that you're probably not getting if you're in, in that comfort zone, right? Like I think the most important thing to, to figure out is you, if you want to get anywhere in life, you've got to go outside of comfort. Now, if your comfort zone is meeting all your needs, then by all means, man, just keep it on cruise control and keep doing that. But if there's something that you want you're going to have to go out and get it. And it's going to come from outside of your comfort zone because um, you're not going to get there just, you know, on cruise control. Mm. Well put. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. Well, I mean, this this has been good listening to. Um, has this been a business yeah. therapy podcast for us three, actually? Yeah, this, yeah, yeah, yeah. this is therapy. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm looking back and wondering, you know what? Well, I, I definitely couldn't go from student to entrepreneurship because being an international student, so that was mm. not in the cards for me. So yeah. I had to go that route. But hey, if if there are no limitations like that for you, as Alex said, if you have that planted deep in, chase after it. And like Ryan did, even as a student, reach out to people that you want to know and learn from. That's important. Build general relationships that yes come you can go back to those people and be like hey i need to talk with you i need to share something with you because trust me 
what you're going through, you're not going through alone. Mm. Everybody's experiencing it. Some just are dead at hiding it, as Ryan said, keeping it down deep. Don't wait until you're 45 to let it explode. <laughs> but, but Mo, yeah. I, you brought something up good. I mean, we talk about having the passion, the drive, and to do this, but you can't do it alone. Um, you know, so surrounding yourself with people that have done it, are doing it, um, it is going to be key because, you know, Ryan mentioned some names that at least we're all very familiar with. And if you've been anything on Twitter or any of the social media is what I would call big players, Sandy, um, Sarah, yep. Jerry, Gene, like those are people that have put themselves out there and said, we're going to do this our way and, you know, come with us. You know, they, those, all those individuals that Ryan has dealt with um, have been very open in in helping others right so when you're around that kind of group of people it's very easy i feel to just pick their brain and start figuring out what works what doesn't work and it's only going to elevate you and then you can turn around and give it back you know ryan said he's had students so how much how lucky are those students to have somebody like ryan who is can give them knowledge not on the cl clinical side but all these other experiences that he's had, but at the same time, he's also learned how to be able to give back, right? Because he got from them, you know? And so you, it's all a give and take, you know? And, and if we surround ourselves with good people, I feel like it makes us good people and then we can return that in favor uh, to those around us. Yeah, that's a good point. Actually thinking of it now, forget how many students I had in that four years, but I want to say three or four of them now have their own private practices to some degree um, or gym ownership, which is always mind boggling to me, whether I taught them how to do it right, or they saw everything that I was doing wrong, whatever they took from that, that's all that matters. But you're right. Yeah. You start to see examples of people who have done it um, and learn from them. Like that's all that matters. And a lot of those students reached out to me and said, Hey, like, I just want to do whatever I can at recharge. I'm like, sweet you know hook me up with your school and we'll sort of figure it out um so yeah continually reach out learn um and show examples of you know just amazing things we can do with our pt license and sort of and you know as a profession which is still vastly underrated i'd argue in the scope of what people can go out and learn to do <clears throat> so ryan how can people find you on uh, social media to reach out to you yeah i'm i'm back on twitter again which is weird it's gotten weird Amen. <laughs> yeah, oh man. Uh, but it's Ryan Smith DPT is my handle on Twitter. Um, that's probably where I'm most lurking nowadays, not as active. Um, I'm actually probably more active in a group called the APHPT or Applied Prevention Health Promotion Therapist through Proactivity. So I run a Con Ed course there um, with Allie um, and actively involved in just trying to get PTs to see a different way to care or fundamentally differently way to care at the population health level. Um, and kind of see what they can do for individuals, groups, or even employers at that point. So you can reach out to me, Ryan Smith DPT at Twitter or um, rsmith at proactivity.com, email or something along those lines, which is great. Um, or if you're ever in Baltimore, hit me up. We'll go to Canyon Yards, show you around the city. It's a great Wait, are, are you an Orioles fan now? Uh, technically, I'm a Brewers fan from Wisconsin, but I'm definitely <laughs> an old bandwagon this year. Everyone <laughs> in the AL East to not be a fan. Well, um, yes, I do have to experience Camden yet, so uh, maybe I'll, I'll, I'll catch a game um, soon. We're not going to talk about football because I don't want to get Alex started. So <laughs> Listen, Mo. <laughs> Listen, Mo. So. Uh, Cowboys got Trey Lance now. They're going to the Super Bowl, baby. Hey, oh, listen. Trey, Trey, oh, Trey, <laughs> Trey's our lottery ticket. Trey's uh, our lottery uh, ticket. We uh, may uh, hit, we may not, but. Yeah. Um, he says Dexter, that every year. That Dak's still my quarterback, so I'm good. Right. That's my man. <laughs> um, but Ryan, man, really do appreciate your time, bud. Uh, yeah, awesome, awesome spending time with you, getting to learn about your journey, man. And I hope that our viewers were able to take some some good stuff from it. Um, again, congratulations to you and your wife, man. And uh, cheers to to all of you guys and if there's ever anything that mo and i can do to to help in any way please uh don't hesitate to reach out my friend 
Yeah, no, thank you for creating a, a solid community and tribe here in its own self at the Alex and Will podcast, which has a great ring to it, by the way. It's really solid. So, no. Yeah, yeah, uh, no. We, I think we, it's we, your, we, uh, we do all right. We do all right. It's got to be like you know, Alex and Will. In business, in business, you have to really like the person that you're in business with, right? I think it's got to be an Alex and Mo uh, CSM reunion of some sort at some point. What yeah, we'll, we'll, yeah, we'll figure something out. Not Boston, though. Not Boston. <laughs> it's got to be warm. February? What are you talking about? <laughs> Beautiful at that time of year. No. <laughs> all, right, all right, to all of our viewers, thank you very much. Really do appreciate you guys. Continue to follow on all our social media platforms. Uh, share, retweet, like, all that good stuff. As always, everybody be safe. Um, to all my Florida viewers, we're getting ready. Well, specifically close Ooh. to Tampa, we're getting ready to have a little bit of a hurricane or something real close to us. So, um, everybody be safe out there. All right. Good night, all. Good night. <laughs>